You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, without getting too involved, I just want to be honest. The the argument between Rashi and the Ran, uh, the Ran, I'm sure, could represent his side well, but the Ran is not the source, was not the ultimate source. The Ran, of course, was built... He's one of the latest, actually, of the Rishonim. I mentioned yesterday, he's 14th century. That's 1340, 1350. When we think about Rashi dying 1096, so you're talking about hundreds of years. Um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the Beis Yosef, who's considered, Rabbi Yosef Kara, considered the first Akron, you know, and maybe even earlier, some people think the Ran is sort of the bridge between the Rishonim and the Akronim. Uh, someone who's living uh, close to the, you know, close into the late 1300s, maybe that's already where things begin to coalesce and that you say, you know, now it's time to organize material. And the truth is the Ron is very beloved because he writes so clearly. Uh, this was just a one or two line thing. The Ron, uh, uh, is, is like I said, the last of the great, one of the last of the great Spanish Rishonim. He he had a student, uh, Rabbi Yosef Ibn Chaviva, called him Muke Yosef. I'm sure, you know, those of you that have been in yeshivas and looked in the back of Gemaris, they, he sort of also did his job on the riff. But actually, the interpretation that the Ran set forth yesterday, uh, a little bit of looking on this page, showed me at least one place where the Ron might have gotten his source. And that's this safer right here. Hamaora uh, Koton. And the reason, again, this is the, this is Zerachia Alevi of Barcelona, um, who uh, eventually um, comes to Provence. And, uh, and, uh, it's in Provence that he writes his, uh, this Sefer, which is called, um, Sefer Hamaor. Uh, he, uh, lived closer to the time of the Rif, and it's considered the first critical work on the Rif. Let me explain it better. This safer on the side is, is, is the Ran dedicating himself to the riff, explaining him and expanding. This, of course, on the side of the page is, as I mentioned yesterday, it's, it's, it's what the printers who wanted to print the riff use by bringing the Rashis that were connected to the Talmudic passages that the riff was condensing. This book is actually a book of critique on the riff called, and it was written by Zerachia Halevi. Uh, and because this is the, uh, he, this is Seder Moed, this is the, the Masechta is in Seder Moed, therefore he called his commentary criticism Maor Hakoton. And when it comes to what the more meaty Mesechtas, um, Noshim and Ezekim, there this man calls his book 
Maor Hagodol. Now, this book uh, launched a series of counter-arguments. Um, Zerachia's uh, book was, is, was very beloved, but people felt that he was too critical on the riff. And because of that, um, his contemporary, one of the most famous uh, Rabbonim of his time, the Ravid of Ram Ben David of, of Pasqueris, uh, who knew Zerachia, and I guess they had connections with each other. They they both studied together in the yeshiva of 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 in in Lunil, uh, in Provence. They both studied together. Uh, uh, Avram Ben David, the Ravid. And the Ravid wrote a book called Sefer Hazachut, which was a book to defend the Rif. And in that book, he basically accuses Zerachia of incompetence, not really knowing what was written, uh, very sharp attacks. Zerachia doesn't respond in, in kind, although Zerachia also wrote his own book on one of Ravid's Svarim. But this began in, in the in, if you really speak to heavy duty Talmudists, they'll tell you that some of the best Talmudic thinking comes from the Balamor, the Sefer Azakut from the Ravid, and the Sefer that's not on this page, but you will find many times in the back, Nachmanides is Sefer, Ramban. Ramban actually lived uh, uh, in, the, in the next generation, he was not a contemporary of, of Zerachia, but he also was sort of offended or felt that, that there needed to be a book to defend the Rif. And his book was called Melchamos Hashem, The Wars of God. He's fighting a war for the sake of God. That's the Sefer Melchamos. So when I go down this page, I'm going down a rabbit hole of Talmudic power. I don't know if those metaphors mean anything, but it's really uh, so that I just want to let you know, you know, it, so I, here when I'm looking at the Baal Hamor, I see that he has, he's not really criticizing the riff. What he's doing here is saying, you know, the riff quoted this piece, but he didn't explain it. Right? The riff quoted the piece that we studied yesterday and just, let it there, you know, left it there like cheese on the counter. But he didn't really say, okay, what are we going to do with this? Um, and therefore the Balamor decided to talk about it. And I don't, I don't know if it's a backhanded, you know, critique on the riff or not, but this is where the Ron started to mine his information from. So I just want to do, I want to read a little bit of it with you because Part of it is to be honest that it's not the it didn't really come from the Ron originally. And secondly, to introduce you, once we went, once we go to the back, like I say, sometimes you end up on an odyssey. So I just want to do a little bit of this, and we'll go back to the Gemara a little bit. So let's see. Uh, remember the story. Shmuel said to the Samya, "I'm you can't use me. Everybody else could use me, but not you." So. The question was, there are people, man, there's some, that have this as difficult. <laughs> because we know Shmuel did it for the whole city. Shmuel 
where does this come from, in other words, that you can like exclude people? <laughs> right? Again, the question's like this. I didn't have you in mind yesterday because you now I didn't now I realize you're a bum. So I didn't have you in mind yesterday when I put the A Then now I see that you're a bum, according to Rashi. So I didn't have you in mind, and I didn't have people like you in mind, so it doesn't work for you. <laughs> when you set it up, you, you, are you really thinking? Are you really making such an analysis about who you're doing it for? Why couldn't the blind person use the Eruv that Shmuel put the day before? Shmuel's thinking of everybody. Is he, is, is, is he really making this checklist and excluding people in his mind? I, I don't include people that, again, Rashi justified it by saying that he was not, um, he wasn't um, thinking of people who don't care about mitzvos. Those people who don't care about divrei the rabbanons, who aren't really chorade, who don't really are. Those people are, in a sense, removed from the rabbinic protection. So then the Balamar quotes v'yesh misha amru. There are people that say b'peruk. Peruk is another way of saying uh, a, a redemption. Peruk is, is Aramaic for redeeming. So Peruk uh, is an answer. Peruk is an answer or a redemption or now the, the answer to this question. Kushiazu, this difficulty. Kivan dahahu, since that person, meaning that blind person, Havi Yodabe Bishmul. He knew from the year before, this is again sounding like the Ron, right? The Havi Ma'arvakua Nardo, the Havi Ma'arvlaatsmo, and he didn't rely on him. He's thinking I need to use my own. And he's below Koyarotza Lotzeis Be'erim Shul Shmuel. And he didn't want to use Shmuel's Erev. Ela Be'erim Atzmo. He wanted to try to do it by himself. Uposha Be'erivo. And then he, he, he wasn't able, he forgot to put his Erev that year. And it happened the second year. So, Amr Le Shmuel, Kvar Galisa Daitcha She'ein Chorotza Lotzeis Be'eruvi. You, I, I see that you don't want to use my Erev. Why? Because I see you're upset. You didn't do what you wanted to do. And you're upset about it. Normally, you should have been not upset when you realized you forgot. Because you know that I'm doing it for everyone. So, Now you see where the Ran got it from. It, and even the Balamor says it's not his interpretation. It's something he heard from somebody. Yesh, Misha, Umro. Um, and then, right. So I just want to do three more lines here. Gamani ein bedaiti lahotzi. This again, the Ron sort of compresses this. I also don't have in mind to be motzi, elamisha samach, by someone who really realizes that I'm connected to him. Omishain oboki. Or people that are unable, Misha Shogak, or people that forgot Onenas. They were working as a hospital worker. They didn't. Really, they, they were running after a, a, a very important thing. They didn't have a chance. But you, even though you keep Torah and mitzvahs, again, the Balamor has to say poshim because the Gemara calls him a poshim. 
So that is really, the Ron liked that interpretation, and he basically lifts it from here. So since this is where the Ron got it from, let's just go one more step. He says, Uladite, he says, I don't even, I, I think everybody's got this story wrong. <laughs> the question is, why didn't it work? He says, first of all, um, I don't think this was happening. This is not, this didn't happen in Narda, where Shmuel was the rabbi. <laughs> doesn't say it happened in Narda. His father did it in Narda. But it doesn't say Shmuel did it there. So therefore, it could be these were two private citizens. That's one way to look at it. Now, you'll see what he's going to build with this. And even if it happened in the city of Narda, where we know Shmuel lived and was the rabbinic figure, he wasn't part of the Nardians that was part of the population. The Loman Ashrian Betuma didn't even show up before Yontif to that we knew he was around. He must have come here as a surprise. He came as a surprise. Through, how do you get there? In other words, there's another thing called Eruv Tchumim. What's an Eruv Tchum? That's a way somebody who's more than 2,000 Amas away from this city can get into the city. So that's the reason. He says either Shmuel was a private citizen, not in his hometown, or Shmuel was the the Summa surprised Shmuel by showing up. He wasn't even around uh, before, and therefore he wasn't included in Shmuel's Erev. And therefore, that's why Shmuel, that's why Shmuel's Erev didn't work for him. Hmm. So this is a complete new novel interpretation. Then the question is, so what was, let's go back to the Gemara, or the way the Rift quotes the Gemara, then what was Shmuel telling him? So again, let's read the story again. There was a Summa. He used to come to Shmuel. So one day he saw he was upset. He said, why am I at Sivat? Why are you upset? Rely on me. Now, according to Rashi and the Ran and whoever else the Balmor was quoting, that meant he, that first year he could have cooked on Shabbos, for Shabbos because he used Shmuel's Erev. Because Samoch means rely on the Erev I put up. Again, Lushana, the next year, Chazdavi Yatsev, he saw him upset again. Amrlei Amayat Sivut. Amrlei Devawasivay Ruvatavshilat. Again, he said the same thing. So now Shmuel calls him a Posheya. So the Balamor says, when he told him Samochadidi the first year, it didn't mean you could use my Erev. What it meant was, hide the Amrlei Samochadidi. I'll make it a little bit bigger here so you can even see it even more. Now, this is a key Gemara term. I told you it was a key Rashi term. All the Rishonim use it. Klomar. Klomar, whenever you see that word Klomar, it's, it's like this is not the simple way to read it. It's as if it's saying. Whenever you see the word Klomar in any 
of the, uh, whether it's in Rashi, it's not going to be in the Gemara, but if you've ever seen it in Rashi or in any of the Rishonim, you know they're trying, this is like a, a like a, like, I'm going to say something here, which is not the simple interpretation. Smocha didi doesn't mean use my Erev. Smocha mutukanchali. I'll take you home to eat. Like we always find that word. means, you know, right? Bachi, you know, you're always on our shulchan here. Yeah? Although you've been cooking a little bit for us now, so we're, but it's still our table in a sense. So the point is, is a term of that you, you wrote, you, you're staying by someone, you eat by somebody. That's what somech could mean. Doesn't necessarily mean the Arab. Samoch adidi. Then, so the reason why he didn't want the next year, although he surprised him the next year as well, because, and here the Bible more has to say, is because what we, we learned earlier, you only send presents to people who don't have food if they forgot but if if but when you forget too often then you're a poshea so that's what it meant the second year he couldn't have used the air of anyway because shmuel didn't know he was coming <laughs> he surprised shmuel twice but obviously the balamor is saying you don't have to say like rashi that when the rabbi has in mind he doesn't he excludes certain people that's not true when the rabbi does it, he does it for the whole community. Even the people who are sleeping, even the people, they could use, because that's the, that's the connection of the Rav to the city. The reason why the Samya, the Samya, the question was, is are we going to feed him? Okay, it ends up a little bit cruel at the end, because it turns out the next year he doesn't, he doesn't want people to send him food, because he says this guy didn't do Erev Tavshilin, and he clearly should have done it, because Again, the fact, and this is where the discussion comes up. If you, if you were poshea more than once, this shows that there's something wrong with you. Anyway, so what have I accomplished here? First of all, I showed you, I told you a little bit about the Balamor. I told you a little bit, I showed you where the, where the, the Ron, where the Ron got this idea from. And I also showed you that the Ron only selected what he wanted. The Balamor then continues with somewhat of a tortured explanation of our passage. He inserts a number of situations here. That the Summa was a surprise. The Summa got there through his own Erev, not an Erev Tavshilin, but the other type of Erev, the Erev Tchum. And the word Samuch doesn't mean rely on my Erev. It means we'll give you some food. And the next year what it meant was you're not going to get any food. So this does not... Um, solve the 21st century lack of political correctness and sensitivity. <laughs> doesn't solve that problem. And, and maybe, therefore, it isn't. But it is a an inventive attempt to explain what was going on here. Okay, that's a good question. Debbie is asking again, and, and part of this is the information is so cryptic. So, right, it's the next year with Shana, the next year. So, 
what when was it? So let's go back to the commercials for a couple of minutes. I'm going to cut a short. I'm, we're not going to go that long today because I do want to get ready for the for the for this other thing. But let's go to the um, go to this page and let's take a look. So when we look at it again, um, there is a clue from the Rashi. Debbie asks, "Which holiday was it? How long is how long has uh, has it been from one story to the other?" Um, Rashi says here. You see here where the cursor is. Lishana, Lishana Acheret, meaning it was a it was a different year, and it was Rosh Hashanah Haya. We talked about Rosh Hashanah a lot in the last couple of weeks. But it, it had to have been Rosh Hashanah. Why? So Rashi is giving us a clue here. Um, the clue is that on a regular holiday, on a regular, especially since we're talking about people in Babylonia, on a regular, it would be a two-day holiday before Shabbat, you would be able to actually subvert the whole issue of an Erev. Why? Because you could actually place the Erev even today. Why? Because there's another day of Yom Tov coming up. And therefore, Rashi says that this occurred on Rosh Hashanah, which is when you can't do that. So I need to, this this calls for a, a little bit of background. What this is telling me, and this is really um, that if it is on Rosh Hashanah, if let's say, uh, let's say you have uh, a, a, a Thursday, Friday leading into Shabbos. Let's say like it was Pesach, right? First day of Pesach was Thursday, second day was Friday, and then Shabbat. So let's say the person forgot on Wednesday afternoon to place the Erev. He would be allowed, Rashi is indicating, it's going to be based on a Gemara later, to make the Erev on Thursday and say the following. If today is Yom Tif, then tomorrow isn't. So I will, what I'm going to do is uh, cook tomorrow uh, for Shabbos, because tomorrow is a weekday. If today is the weekday, and tomorrow is the Yontif, then I'm making this as my Erev. And this way, he'll be able to cook the next day, no matter what. Why? Because the second day of Yontif is either <laughs> the halachic first day, and he's made the Erev, and he can cook for on Friday for Shabbos, or he'll be able, right? So, which would mean that if it was a two-day yomtiv leading into a Shabbos, Rashi is saying, the blind guy still can do the Erev. The blind guy would be able to set the Erev today. And as, now let's read the Rashi again. She'en yocho. In other words, Rosh Hashanah, you can't do that. On Rosh Hashanah, we treat the two days of Rosh Hashanah, even though it's technically rabbinic, because from the Torah, there's only one day of Rosh Hashanah. 
two days of Rosh Hashanah, you can't do this. You can't say, if today is the real day of Rosh Hashanah, then tomorrow is going to be a weekday. Then that gets into a little bit of a complicated discussion as to why the two-day Rosh Hashanah is different than the two-day, what we call the, the, the second day of the holiday in the diaspora. Yom Tevsheni, Sholgolius, as it's called. Um, okay, so if th- that's a long-winded answer to Debbie's question, but I think it's an interesting one because it tells us that it was happening on Rosh Hashanah. Again, if you want to uh, be, if you want to Tarshan here, you could say that that could be the reason why Shmuel was so tough on him. It was the Yom Adin. That's not a day to start forgetting things, and you know you, you got to be on Rosh Hashanah. It's not surprising that the ultimate Dayan in this in the da- uh, downstairs world that Shmuel was able to reflect a certain power of din against the, the, the Samya. So that's the day that it happened. So now basically what have we what, what what do we return to? A troubling story. We have some aspect of interpretation, Rashi the Ran, and now we've thrown another layer on it, the source of the Ran, and the from Zarach Alevi. We didn't read the whole piece, but I think we got a little bit of a taste. He's definitely inventive. Um, and he's he doesn't feel himself bound to the ones before him. He uh, that was part of the originality of 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 Zerachia, One of the reasons why Zerachia is so beloved. Okay, let's just do three more, just a couple more minutes. Okay, we know what this is. Taner Abonan. Okay, Yom Tov. Shachal liot be'erev Shabbat. Okay. Like this year in Israel, right? Friday is Shavuos, followed by this. Ein ma'arvin, lo eruve tchumen, velo eruve chatzerot. It's a good thing we just talked about eruve tchumen, right? Um, what needs to happen? Um, on Shabbat, the person would like to go to a simcha that is outside of his city. He wants to go hear a great speaker. Because of that, he needs to travel, and it's more than 2,000 amos. The same way you can't carry in Rosh Hashanah, you can't walk freely on Shabbos outside of the city. That's not exactly the same, because Tchumim, according to many opinions, is only a rabbinic law. There is Rabbi Akiva who says that it's actually a Torah law. Al Ishmim Komo, the Pasuk says by the Mun, which shows that you need to be guarded about staying in your place. Whether it's 2,000 Amis or not, it might be much more than that, but there is an idea of not traveling, and the rabbis are very strict about that. There's a way to get out of it, and you, you can add another 2,000. But the way you do that is by putting, as the Balamor mentioned, the Erev Tchum, which would mean, let's say, um, you want to get to that city. You need to go to the very edge of where you could go on Shabbos, before Shabbos, and place two meals there. If you place two meals, <clears throat> that's like your Shabbos is there. If you place the amount of two meals, 
That's your address for Shabbos. That's the rabbinic fiction. And now it's as if Shabbos started, even though you were home in bed. That was your address for Shabbos. The next morning, you wake up Saturday morning, you can walk double the amount you thought you would be able to walk had you not put the tchum. Again, I'm going over things just to make it clear what it means. Now, the direction that you decide to go becomes your direction, and you are now limited from the direction on its opposite. So let's say the person wants to go 4,000 amos east of his city. He places the Erev to the east, and if he places it at, the, at, at, at mile marker, 2,000 ama, he loses the complete ability to go to the west. And that he has no, can't go to the west at all out of his city. He changes his mind because that becomes his address, his mental address. Now, if you want to do this, if you realize, let's say, that there's a great shear on Shavuos that you would like to go to here, an event, uh, a kiddish, something, you cannot on Friday walk 2,000 Amis on Friday afternoon and put your two meals there to represent you. Or Okay, what does that mean? So Erev Chatzerot is another type of Erev. So, so far, in this one line, and this one subject, we now have the three types of Erev. Erev Tavshilin, Erev Tchum, and Erev Chatzerot. And, again, I, the first question my students would usually ask is, why are they all called Erev? What does Erev mean? So Erev, of course, and we talked about this maybe a little bit, comes from the Shorish of the word Me'urav, things that are mixed. So you're mixing, that's what it means to, even the word Erev, which is the afternoon, is sort of like a mixture between sunlight and evening. It gets progressively darker. That's the idea of an Erev, Erev. Erev is the mixture of something. That's what to be ma'arev something means. Taruvos, things get mixed up. Tafshilin means you're actually mixing or connecting what you're, the, the preparation, Shabbos and Yontiv together. That's the Erev Tafshilin. Erev Tchumen means is that you are developing, you're, you are creating an extension of what your Tchum is. You're mixing the tchum that you don't have, but by placing that food there, you now have more space to go. Eruva Chatzerot was one of the takanas of Shlomo Melech as well. And that was based on the, the way people live then, and they still do in many places. It's not so familiar to us here, but that there were like, what example, what's example, a, 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 an apartment complex, a housing project. So that housing project has a whole bunch of people can, uh, a common area that many people can use, many families can use. And then you have your apartment house in the housing project. 
Shoma Melech made a takana that you cannot carry into that open area, not because it's not gated. It probably is gated. It probably does have the proper amount of walls. The problem is, is that you're not the only one who has what we call in Hebrew bylaws there. You don't have, not the only one who owns that. It's, it's a communally owned place. You have a right to go there with the stroller, but it's sort of like a Rishus Harabim. The Shlomo Melech and his Bezdin were worried that if you can carry freely into a place that everybody owns, it's part of everyone's domain, then you're going to sort of play fast and loose with carrying into a true Rishus Harabim. So what they said was you cannot carry unless what you do is you collect from every person who lives in this housing project, you collect either a kazayas' worth of bread, and everybody contributes, and then it's placed into some lucky person's house. And what does that do? Rashi explains, it, 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 it's ma'ariv, all of us together. It's like there isn't any independent apartments anymore. We all are unified as one big family that happen to have separate domiciles. And by doing that, you now are allowed to carry into the common area, and you're also able to carry into someone else's apartment. So Eruva Chatzeros is what you need to do. All Again, it's a rabbinic stricture not to do it, but the rabbis have the aids of how to do it. Now, it, it, the best way, as the as the post can tell us, is to do one once a year. And this way you don't have to do it every week. But that wasn't always the custom. In the time of the Talmud, the custom was to do it every week. So now the problem is, is that the Erev hasn't been placed yet. And Shabbos is coming. So it's Friday. On a normal Friday, you send out the collecting boy. The boy goes and collects a kezayas from everyone. And he places it. Here, where's the, uh, here you, you, want it, you want this to happen on Yom Tov? You can't do it. So let's read the words again. Ein ma'ar ben we're not going to let you do it. Why aren't we going to let you do it? What's wrong? You're not cooking. You're not doing a malacha. You're taking a walk. You're getting a kezayis of food from people. So, some of you might say, it's hachana. We talked about that in the halacha shir at night. That you're preparing for Shabbos. It's like you're setting up tables for Shabbos. Rashi says it a little bit differently. Let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Dinira davar. It looks like you are fixing something. It looks like because you are now on, you've now changed your address. You've now melded into one family. So that's something that you should have done on Thursday, not on Friday. On Friday, you can't do that. Rebbe Omer, that's Yehuda Hanasi. So he is, in a sense, the minority opinion here. 
Rebbe Omer, Ma'ar Beneruve Chatzerot. You are allowed to collect the food and create the idea of one family to allow people to carry on Shabbat. Avulo Eruve Tchumin. But that shouldn't be done. On that Friday, you shouldn't be carrying the two pieces, or the, the two meals, in order to be able to walk on Shabbos. Why? So we'll stop with this. Mipnei Sha'ata Osro Pedover HaAsurlo The rabbis can tell a person on Yom Tov, which is a pretty free day, certain things you can't do. Which is what? Well, on Yom Tov, you also can't walk freely. You also only have 2,000 Amos. So you are allowed to tell him, I don't want you doing this for Shabbos. You can't even do it today. You can't walk 4,000 Amos today. You're setting up the, the meals for tomorrow that this should be your address. In other words, you're trying to walk 4,000 Amis on Shabbos. You can't walk more than 2,000 Amis today. You are limited in what you can do today in terms of walking. We're not going to allow you to set up for a bigger Shabbos walk. You're already in the throes of of a problem. You've got a problem walking yourself today. Therefore, even though you're not walking more than you're allowed to, you're only going 2,000 Amis to the east, but we can stop you from doing something, which is for Shabbos, because you are anyway bound. Ve'i ata osro, but you can't stop him. E ata, you are not able. E is like you can't. You, meaning the Bezdin, the Takana. Osro, you can't stop a person. Bidover hamutarlo. What's davar hamutarlo? To carry. In other words, you're, right, you're allowed to carry on Yontif. That's one of the things you can do. There's no such isr of, of, and therefore it's like a total weekday as far as Yontif goes. It's, it's, it, as far as Yontif goes, there is no isr really to carry into the Chatzar. Since there's no isr to carry into the Chatzar on Yontif, there is no law of not carrying in the Chatzar on Yontif. As far as Yontav goes, it's considered like a weekday, and you can therefore set it up. Ah, he's doing it for Shabbos? You have no right legislating that type of activity when he is allowed to carry. He's a, he wants to be able to carry on Shabbos. Yes, it's true. He's thinking about Shabbos, and he's fixing things. But it's almost like, as far as... It's true, it's completely Yontif today. It's Friday Yontif, but not as far as caring goes. Caring isn't really, Yontif doesn't define caring in a chotzer. So you could go collect, even though it's for the sake of tomorrow, you're allowed to do that because the rabbis are, are, are unable to reach that far. Very interesting logic that Yehuda Hanosi is showing us. Itmar, it was discussed 
not when it comes to a chotzer, Sheila. In other words, in Rishul Sarabim, yes. She was asking, we know, that, that, that you can't just carry everything you need in, in, in Rishul Sarabim. It has to have a, a connection to Yontif. True. But in a chotzer, like the way I described it, where it's completely enclosed, the chotzer, you are allowed to carry completely. There is no rabbinical isser of carrying in a chotzer. A ruve chatzeris doesn't apply on Yontif at all. So within your house, as long as the item's not muktzer for some other reason, you're allowed to carry with everyone, even though it has no connection to Yontif whatsoever. So the, the Rebbe's logic here is is, is fascinating. <laughs> because we all know he's doing this for, for, for Shabbos. He's spending time. It might take him an hour to go collect for like two hours. He's sitting here collecting and doing stuff on Yontif for Shabbos. Rebbe says we, we can't stop it. We can't stop him for that. Walk, walking and setting up the, the meals there, that we have the power to do. But as far as this goes, we can't. So, Itmar, Kigamar word, it was discussed. Rav Amar Halacha Ketanakama. Rav says the law is like the Tanakama, meaning both things cannot be done on Erev Yantif, which means Thursday, let's say in this year, if you want to walk further, you've got to do it on Thursday. If your Erev Chatseris isn't done properly, you haven't collected, you have to collect on Thursday, not on Friday. Shmuel says, that if you could collect for the Erev Chatseris and set the Erev Chatseris in the house, on Yontif. And that doesn't violate the idea of preparing Shabbos, preparing on, uh, on, on Yontif for Shabbos. Remember, the Erev Tavshilin can't help you on that, because the Erev Tavshilin is about cooking for Shabbos. It's about providing meals for Shabbos. So, can the Erev Tavshilin, this is like a good question, can they, maybe the Erev Tavshilin can allow me, if I make Erev Tavshilin, doesn't that allow me to do everything for Shabbos? So maybe I should be able to uh, to set my Erev Chatseros, because otherwise I won't be able to get to the house where I need to eat and bring over the pot lunch. Clearly, it, it seems like that, you can't double dip like that. Like, you know, in other words, I don't need, I don't need an Erev Tchumim. In other words, I'll, I'll let my Erev, Erev Tavshilin allow me to set up the Erev Chatseros. Um, that didn't seem to play as a possibility. Okay, so as I told you yesterday, we were we were going to get ourselves quite involved. And we'll see everybody on the back end, hopefully uh, next week in, in, in a good way. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.